Welcome to the Searching for Meaning podcast. My name is Gonzalo, and I'm joined by my brother, Tiago. Welcome. Greetings. And um, today's episode is the second part of the book review of Stillness is the Key. So if you didn't listen to the first part, I most definitely recommend you do. Otherwise, this will be... I think you'll still be able to pick it up because we broke the book down in three parts as it is broken down by Ryan himself. But yeah, I definitely recommend you go uh, two podcasts back. That's when we did it. Listen to that, then come back. Because today we're going to be covering the spirit, if I'm not mistaken, or the soul. Spirit. Yeah, the last one was the mind. This one is going to be the spirit. All right. So I'm going to be reading this one because my brother does not have his Kindle with him. So get used to this little change. Thank you Uh, for um, calling me out. Uh, Let's go. Let's go, champ. (laughs) For letting the people know. Letting the people know. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we're going to start off with the, the spirit chapter. And in he starts off with a brief introduction called The Domain of the Soul, in which he, he talks about the story of Tiger Woods and his old journey. If you, don't, if you aren't familiar with uh, who Tiger, Wood, Tiger Woods is, well, first of all, <laughs> yeah, what are you living under in? <laughs> but second of all, if you don't know the specifics, he basically, he, at one time, he was the best golfer ever. He won everything. And then he had a, this like this big crash because lots of personal issues with his life, I believe, cheating on his wife and lots of like, I don't, I'm not really also too in-depth, but I know that was like lots of personal issues. And he oh, yeah. went off like, a, because of that, he really f- fell in it when, it come, when it came to the, the game of golf. And so, yeah, he, he starts this, this chapter basically telling, telling the story of Tiger Woods and all the, the things he went through as a child, what led him to all those eventually big problems. And I think it's more than that. It's to exemplify that you can get to a big place in life by ignoring your soul for like a lot of it, by ignoring spirituality, those like deep-rooted issues that you have inside you. And it's not a, an argument that you, you have to take care of this to be successful or to have a more productive life. I think the argument is you have to take care of this to enjoy the success you're going to have. Because yeah. if you look at Tiger Woods' history, I mean, I don't know because I'm not him, but I, I get this sense that he wasn't really enjoying all of it, you know? He was never satisfied with it. He never really took any moment to kind of sit back and enjoy all that he had done this far to maybe go out with his family and celebrate. He was always searching for more more. He even says the story that his father had like this code word for him when, when his father used to, to coach him and practice. He, he would be like very extremely rigorous with his son and they had this code word, which was enough. All Tiger Woods had to do is say enough for them to stop. And he never said the word enough in all of the, all of the, the years that he practiced with his father. And this kind of exemplifies what led to all these issues in, in his life. Yeah, for sure. So it was kind of like even the word is very, um, not funny is not the word, but it's kind of ironic because it's the thing that he, he never was able to say, but the thing he kind of needed the most was to just be like, okay, it's enough of of like more women and more practice when i shouldn't be and more pretty much um it's it's funny to see because like i was writing today and yesterday published the article where a lot of problems we have we always look to add more to solve when the solution would be just to remove shit you know most of the time if you want to be for example if somebody wants to be more productive i'm gonna go back to that but just a little aside if somebody wants to be more productive it would be much more productive hmm? to instead of like adding more like, oh, I'm going to try this new calendar or this new uh, method of organizing my time to be much uh, more productive to, for example, go and look at like, where do I waste most of my time? What's the activity like when I should be working? What the fuck am I doing instead? Instagram, Netflix, whatever. It would be much better to just reduce the time you spend on those things because you kind of intuitively put it to use that time to good use. So it's 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 not always that, but I do feel like a lot of things would benefit more from removing first. But going back to you know Tiger Woods, I feel like that's kind of um, a kind of a, a sad example of, and also a good one to look at that more is not going to fulfill you. It's not like Tiger Woods had pretty much everything somebody could have, a lot of money, great from what Ryan says in the book at least, great wife, two children I think. It's not like you you did, you have to to try really hard to fuck this up, which he did. Yeah. You know, he was cheating pretty much all the time. He, at some point, he started like 
doing marine training as well, like Navy SEAL for some yeah. reason, which fucked up his knee completely. Uh, that's what. Uh, and his back. I think that's think. why he got yeah. all those back issues. Where it was like because it was almost like he was running away from himself. He was yeah. running away from all the shit that you know. To the, that is per- pretty much his parents kind of instilled on him, and you know he's still responsible. But I think it's. We also like when we look at these examples, it's very easy to just blame and judge. Like, oh my god, how could Tiger do that? Yeah, he's so fucking insane. But if you think about it, if you were born with the same DNA and the same, uh, and experience the same things, you do the exact same thing. So it's not. I think it's much better to look at it as, just as the example of what you should do and what you shouldn't do based on that. And that's what I think Tiger is. It's just a perfect case of why you should practice more gratitude and like. Not only gratitude, but stillness. Just being with yourself and seeing what is the shit that that you know that pops up, and that maybe you don't want to be yourself, and how to change that. But it only comes when you, you know, when you actually sit down and listen to yourself. Just a quick side note before I move on. I think yeah, with all of these examples, because in each chapter he gives a, a different example of of someone very famous from history, and I think the, all these examples really tell us the same. You know. Everyone, no matter who they were, how great you thought they were, they all have flaws, you know. Tiger Woods, yeah. if you look at him from the outside, is this amazing golfer, but then his inside was kind of fucked up. Uh, maybe, well, lots of, lots of famous people, you get this. And so the point is not to judge them, you know. There's no interest in that. You know, it's to kind of learn from them, learn from their mistakes, see what they are doing that you are, maybe you're not, of course, like Tiger Woods doing drugs and cheating on your wife, but you may be doing like... Uh, regressions to that you know you may be trying to escape certain feelings in your life certain childhood kind of uh, trauma that that was left there and so the the incentive is for you to like in those examples find a bit of yourself so to know what what to fix but moving on the um, so the next chapter is choose virtue and i just want to read this little quick quotes quotes that introduces the chapter by Ralph Waldo Emerson. The essence of greatness is the perception that virtue is enough. And here is again is the key word enough. You know, if you simply decide that being a good person is enough, you know, because you need these boundaries. Even Jordan Peterson says it. It's like uh, I don't really recall the quote, the quote right now, but it's like without limitation there is no being. You know, yeah. if you do not know how to limitate yourself, you're always lost. Like you always get the sense that you don't know yourself and that you don't know where you're going. Because as humans, we need limits we need limitations discipline to tell us what we can and cannot do and you need to set those boundaries for yourself and in this chapter he gives the example of marcus aurelius which was like one of the at one point was the most powerful man on earth you know and even him even he like he he had to set barriers for himself because if he didn't do that he would just become like many kings in history would just go crazy with power and these all these things can go to your head if you don't set clear boundaries to what you can and cannot do yeah and i feel like it's crucial to define success for yourself as something healthy like you doing the right thing being enough is a very healthy thing to adopt as success because what what we see happen is when the boundary is like success equals money then there's never enough there's never enough money if success equals women there's never enough success equals i don't know like pga tour championships like tiger woods it's never enough because and not only is it not enough, because that's the end goal, you'll do whatever it takes to get there. You'll cut corners, you'll run over people, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Because you define success as getting more of that thing. But now if, if success is doing the right thing, then you'll never run over someone because that's not the right thing to do. And even, and that's the thing, because you we always say like, oh yeah, but you do the right thing and maybe you're not as successful, but you know, at least you're good with yourself. But in fact, you are more successful. Because you define success different and you, I think like somebody defining, like, if I do the right thing, I'm successful. Even let's say, okay, you end up your life with, I don't know, 500K in your account. And somebody who was like, I want more money as 100 million in their account. But if you can go (laughs) die peaceful, being like, okay, I regret nothing. I did what I had to do. And the other person's like, oh my God, what have I done? I fucked up so many relationships. I don't know what I'm doing. You know? Yeah, he had more money. He was more successful, quote unquote, at least for in society's eyes. But in reality, is there's even this good quote. I don't know if it's Leonardo da Vinci or Marcus Aurelius, which is, "Just as a way, just as a day well spent brings happy sleep, 
so does a, a life well lived bring happy death mm-hmm. so it's kind of it's kind of death that and you see with a lot of um let's say enlightened people for lack of a better word a lot of them they kind of realize at least from what's said you know this could be a bit romanticized by the people who wrote about it but like when they died they kind of felt they were dying and they were peaceful in that time or the day they were going to die they weren't like oh my god i'm going to die i'm panicking or even like oh i'm suffering so much they were even though they were in pain most likely they were peaceful because it's kind of like that they knew they lived a life worth living to themselves kind of thing yeah yeah that's the the key thing you know you have to choose yeah, how you, like you said in the beginning that's a really good saying you have to choose how you view success for yourself because if you don't you, you'll never be satisfied with it and it's about setting up clear standards for what you you want for yourself because if you just want to achieve something uh, something physical you yeah like you said you can do it at all costs there's no like if you don't have any values behind it you can you you cut corners you'll do bad stuff to get there and you need those those boundaries those values to, to keep you in place because if you think about it if you achieve something by cutting corners you you don't enjoy it maybe maybe you enjoy it for like a day or two but you eventually feel shame because of it the, the only way to truly enjoy something in life is by truly feeling that you got there the right way and that, that's why i think this chapter more than anything is trying to say you know if you don't cultivate this moral code for yourself then I think life will cultivate it for you, you know, and you don't want to yeah. leave something like that up to chance. You want to take charge for that and make it something personal and, and your own because it's something that we see throughout history. You know, if you don't make space to think about these things, like nothing, no one will, will just kind of pop out, pop out of the blue and tell you, you need to be good. You need to do, you need to be righteous and just and cor- courageous, you know, you don't get to this you don't get to be a courageous person by not thinking about it you know you need to yeah. first of all think about it and then go do it you know that's the, th- the main thing i think with this chapter yeah absolutely yeah, but moving on to the next one it's called heal the inner child and in this chapter he, he talks about um da vinci if you don't okay if everyone knows what da vinci is, <laughs> yeah, <but. okay>. yeah. <laughs> the great inventor whatever blah blah but the thing the key thing is I think with Da Vinci and all great inventors, you know, they were always kind of have this childlike attribute attribute that children have, which is like, let's say when children want to play football, you know, they don't overanalyze football, you know, they just grab a ball, they kick it and they learn by mistake. And that's what I think most inventors do, you know. Da Vinci maybe thought, I want to make a machine that flies, you know. And he just went and did it. He didn't think that it was something impossible at the time. And he eventually developed the blueprint for what would become the basis of like an airplane, you know? And that only comes from you kind of just trying stuff, not, not overanalyzing it, not saying no, not kind of, not bef- subtracting your insecurities from it, you know? Because without insecurities, we all have that childlike intuition to just go do something. We don't really care yeah. about, initially at least, we don't care about the consequences about it. But then our adult minds kick in with all insecurities and thoughts and we kind of stop ourselves. And that's useful sometimes. But most times, you know, people, I think, would benefit more from just allowing that kind of inner child to express itself. Yeah, and that's so funny to see because we have a younger sister. She's three years old. Mm -hmm. And you see that so perfectly well. If you go with her to the park and there's other kids there, kids are just, they're so like that. They see like, uh, you know, like, how's it called in English? A slide, yeah? Like the slides they go down. And it's just like, they go and they they hang there and they just they can just spend like a a whole afternoon in the, an imagined scenario around that thing, just but but they're not judging themselves. They're not like, oh, is this the best play I could be doing right now to maximize my fun? No, they're just like they're just doing, and like you said, a lot of a lot of the times is and I feel like why a lot of people who are very good at what they do, um, they started very young. Is of course you have the factor of time, but you also started at a, an age where you you wouldn't judge yourself as much for failing. So you just tried more and you, mm-hmm. you kind of allowed that spirit to kind of live on through that throughout the years. And, and it's, yeah, it's super important because nowadays it's like, and it's so easy also not only to be like um, anxious to try things because you're insecure, but also because there's so many distractions, like uh, just using our little sister as an example. If you don't turn on the TV or give her a phone or an iPad, 
she will just run around the house the whole day making you know creating things to play with like creating scenarios with her toys everything but the second you fucking turn on the tv or put a phone in her hand it's all over mm. she's quiet there she for like two hours or something and that's another problem we have because if you're always spending time on these fucking devices you don't have time to eat you'll inner child to be silent to do anything to well you're just numb you just that's for me literally wasting time it just i think yeah that's the, the best definition for it's like numb being that numb time where you, you're not really you're not actively doing something you know you're passively receiving something yeah. and kind of like a, as a yeah. side note um i've been reading more articles now uh recently and it's and especially articles about topics that i hadn't really taught that much before and it's so crazy to see like how much you can learn about something in like 20 minutes reading about it yeah. and you're like yeah. i just expanded my brain in a direction i never thought it would go i could have done that or i could have watched some 20 minute tiktok compilation on youtube you know and i'm not saying you should always be reading yeah. but it's it just puts it in perspective the benefit you can gain with the same thing i need to put it in due proportion to what your values are you know if you claim to be someone who values knowledge you shouldn't put youtube over learning you know and that's why i think most people kind of feel guilty when they i mean they don't feel guilty but i think i mean i think they feel guilty when they're faced with the, the consequences <laughs> or at least the behavior yeah. itself you know for example the phone no one really thinks that they're using the phone too often only when they see the, the exact amount of time they're spending on it do they feel kind of embarrassed and try to make excuses and the, they make excuses because they feel guilty about it yeah. you know it's like but yeah that's the average time i think someone uses the phone it's like three to four hours it's yeah. something crazy you know it's if you do that every day like imagine you, you i don't know those three hours every day that's that's just so much time you know if you put that into even after that time into just learning something new you know learning an instrument learning a new hobby there's so much thing so, so much things you can do with your yeah. time you know people just claim to be always out of time you know you're not out of time because the average person clearly has enough time to spend four hours oh, yeah, on their phone. Oh, yeah, for sure. So, reframing Absolutely. it. And just before we move to the next chapter, just this good quote in, also in this chapter, which goes, give more, give what you didn't get, love more, drop the old story. I feel this is like something very important to remind myself and, and people who eventually want to be parents, which I think is almost everyone, you know. you all, Everyone has childhood trauma, you know. It, it, and I, drama here doesn't mean like something drastic, you know, but we all have small things from childhood that develop into insecurities that we have now. <clears throat> That's just how it works, you know. But if, you, if you're going to be raising new human beings, you know, you need to make... That's why we're doing it. That's why you, you should also always be trying to develop yourself and grow, you know, because you eventually want to leave the place a better... leave the world yeah. a better place than it was before. And one of the main ways to do that is like to spread your legacy in a good way you know teach your kids in a good way don't make the same mistakes that were made with you don't don't educate them out of resentment educate them out of love i think that's just something absolutely well i have no idea about it because i'm not yeah a but, parent, it's, but it sounds like the right thing that's i'm also not a parent <laughs> yeah. as you can probably guess but <laughs> i'm gonna go ahead and yeah. moving on next chapter it's called beware desire and this one is kind of a a big kind of a mindfuck for me because it talks about John F. Kennedy. I always had this idea of John F. Kennedy like the pristine uh, crystal like politician but like in this chapter there's like lots of dark weird stuff that I had never associated with Kennedy because yeah. he, for oh, example yeah. this was like <laughs> like yeah really dark stuff you know um, basically like he, he talked about this one moment that really got me thinking which is like it was in the middle of the Cuban Missile Crisis, which is like a big deal. This is like in the verge of nuclear war. And Kennedy, like, he brought in a 19-year-old student from a college, like, to an hotel. Uh, like, you know, and this is a married man at the time, faced with one of, like, the biggest crises of our time. And, you know, it's just so crazy how all these famous people that you kind of think of as really successful yeah. all, have all these fucked up kind of interior stories going on with them, yeah, you know? Kennedy was it's, like... Do you want to go? It's crazy. Do I have you... no idea about it. But this is this is this isn't even rumors, you know. This is like I think it's a diary. He wrote this, all these things and yeah. he even confessed it. But do you want to get into it, it or do you want to share the crazy life of suppose alleged life of Kennedy? Yeah, I mean, I don't. All, all the things basically says in this book is he constantly cheated on his wife. Uh, that's all. No, I but even in the like the Cuban he, Missile Crisis thing, it's like, yeah, it's he. You know, knowing that the 
you're you're like inches away possibly from a nuclear war who you have no idea what the consequences are going to be and instead of you know like instead of him going back to his family and being with his family he decides to go and just fuck this random college girl in a hotel that they they brought to him pretty much and you think it's like and he gives the example which is all these people like Kennedy and Tiger Woods and um you know people who face similar situations they have this incredible stillness but only while they're doing their craft let's call it so Tiger Woods is very still when he's playing golf mm -hmm. but every other aspect of his life was none of that Kennedy kind of the same while he was dealing with it he was very calculated he was very calm very still but as soon as he gets out of that it's just like complete chaos and this is a good example because i think so i think this also happens in these people because they are the ones with the most resources yeah. you know yeah yeah for they sure they can fulfill whatever desires they have most people can't fulfill whatever desires they have you know and and so you what we get is this kind of regression to all these extreme examples you know most people don't have the faith of their of the planet in their hands literally so but we do have all these constant desires and, and cravings going on around us be it food be it like social media pornography whatever you want to call it like everyone has is yep. constantly being bombarded with these options and and if you don't develop this kind of um this way of viewing pleasure you know you need you don't need to kind of fear and demonize it but you need to be aware of the power that it has to kind of destroy your life you know because it, 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 let's take a, go back to the example of the person who spends four hours a day in their phone you know ultimately you, you may say you value uh growth or knowledge but if you're spending that amount of time in your life just going through social media and kind of wasting your time you know yep. that, what you really value is instant pleasure that's what your actions say you value you know and that's what really matters so you need to take time to think about it. think about what what person you are becoming when you're giving into those constant uh cravings you know it's not a small deal it's really it's a big it's, it's like Jordan <laughs> says like no it's it's serious like it really is serious you know because all these small decisions are shaping Absolutely. you and up it's, to be who you are yeah like because in the small you you always show you are in the bigger picture as well it's like it's like like that the doing good it's yeah which you know to be just to kind of balance it out a bit it's it's gonna be like a lifelong effort you know it's like you're gonna fail it's gonna, there's moments you're gonna be like oh, i shouldn't have done that i shouldn't have said that yeah. but it's that's why it's just it's always a constant improvement work as well you know like look at tiger woods now he, he looks much more balanced yeah. even like he, he came back to win the masters and even in the court he's much calmer he's not like doing the screams like he used to before he looks much more still i don't know how his personal life is but I would assume that it, it needs to be better, otherwise he would never be able to come back as he did. Yeah. That would be a crazy story if it could yeah, be fucking about insane. five years the same thing happened. <laughs> I mean it, it can definitely happen, you know, because we <laughs> also have the tendency to fall back on our like that's yeah. something that was instilled in him since the day he was pretty much born. So it's very hard to you know, I'm I'm sure he's gonna, mm -hmm. you know, deal with it's that shit for battle. the rest of his life. He's gonna fail quote unquote again. But it's 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 just like that. You fail, you get back up. It's kind of like that. It's part of it. Yeah. yeah. Part of the process. Uh, talking about Tiger Woods, <laughs> the next chapter is called Enough, which was the magic word he couldn't say. And, you know, it, this, he also, in this chapter, now it's coming back to me, he gives the example of a writer. And he wrote this, like, a really big book, which was a, a big su success. And this in, in this story, like, this writer was talking to another one. And this other one was making fun of him, like saying, oh, you can never beat that success again. You know, you can never replicate, uh, you can never replicate that, that book again. And you'll just always be living in, in the shadow of it. And then he, he said this, this uh, like reply to him, which is like basically saying, I don't care. You know, I've, I have the knowledge that I've got yeah. enough. I've already done what needed to be done with my life because and this can only come from someone who doesn't value i mean obviously we all value results but values primarily the work and not the results you know he even after even before receiving all this praise for his book he already was satisfied with his work this is the only way to really be not successful by like society standards but successful from i think what we really want to be you know this is the only way to feel satisfied with 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 life you know if that's because if you're always searching for results 
and, and exterior things, you'll you'll never feel satisfied. You know, that's that's why Kennedy, even after even being in like the highest position, someone could be on this planet, still wanted these like basic things that all men want, or, or most men like don't think about and want. You know, like the the girl from the college. You know, it's crazy how if you don't like take time to to really decide what you what, what you're gonna base your life around is it, is it like the path or the only the goals you'll eventually fall into this black hole of yeah absolutely and it's and always wanting more it's it's crazy because like in the writer's example it's it, I, it always brings me back to zima blue this episode of a netflix tv show love death and robots anyway so um there's this tv show yes. zima blue and i know we talk about this a lot but just to get to the point which is the conclusion of the episode is he realizes uh, that to do a simple task to well done, pretty much, is enough. Just the completion of this task in a, a way that fulfills me, because it's good, is enough. And when you do that, it's like you're giving yourself power. Because imagine a guy who his definition of happiness is I need to have $1 million and be retired. Then it's, it is in your control, but not fully. Because like there's a lot of factors around earning money that you don't fully control. Like do you get the job, do you don't? Do people buy your product? It's like you can do the best you can to be in your control, but a lot of it is still outside of your control. But now, if if your um, your sense of, of happiness and fulfillment is, I'm gonna write a good book, or I'm gonna create a good product that will r solve this problem, then that's much more in your control, because because it's only good when you know it's good. Like a writer knows it's good because he feels like it's good. It's not because it's sold one million copies or because his publisher told him to. It's He knows when he knows. And that's fully in his control kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And that's like, and even like, not that I'm thinking about it, like, and each and every one of us, if you think back to your own life, like, what are the moments that you really like feel good what are the moments you really remember um, not maybe not remember but those moments where you really feel good and i think it's always those things where you where you feel like you're enough you know like you have at that moment you have anything maybe it's like you watching the sunset at the beach or being in the middle of nature or being with your family whatever it's like those moments where you feel clearly present and you're like okay this is all i need or not, you're not even thinking you're not even thinking about what comes next you know you're just enjoying it and and if you, uh, if you think about it, most people don't really have these moments regularly. And, of course, not regularly, because I don't think they, they can be moments that are regular. But, you know, most people don't think about these moments as things to achieve. You, we know we associate, like, goals to, like, like standards you were saying, like making a million dollars, achieving, losing X weight, uh, getting this certain promotion at my job. You never think about feeling present with my family or feeling content with life. And these are the things that I think with this book really, that's really what stillness is, you know? It's you enjoying the present moment and not craving anything else, not being in need of something else to happen. Just like being in the present and being capable to enjoy it by what it is, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's like, it's the daily struggle, a daily effort. It's like a, an hourly minute. It's... Because you can always fall out of it, but you can also always be in that present moment. So it comes down how much you decide the, to focus on it. Yeah, and once again, this book is so great because it really chapters flow, like they flow from one to the next. So we're just talking about this, and then the next, uh, the next um, chapter is bathed in beauty, which is exactly what we're talking about. You know, it's you making the time in your life for those uh, moments where you you feel content with life where you like you watch this this tree and, and you're, you're like you're perplexed by the beauty of it and in this chapter that like there's a the example he gives is by is from Anne Frank and it, this example really made uh, an impression in me because you know Anne Frank she was living in a in a like a not a basement but an attic when they when in the middle of the holocaust like their family were Jews and they were they were living in constant terror and they couldn't do she, as a child, couldn't do what most child, uh, yeah. children did, which is like play, have fun. And in this line of her, of her, of her diary, she writes, as, um, as long as this exists, Anne thought to herself, this sunshine and this cloudless sky, and as long as I can enjoy it, how can I be sad? 
you know, and we think about this and like this girl was living in one of the worst conditions I can imagine for someone, you know, in constant terror, always being afraid of what you, what could happen in the yep. next moment, not, you know, and even she could find time to like enjoy the present moment, to enjoy the sun and the sky, you know, and how, how often do we do this, you know, how often do most people look at the sky and be like, yeah, I'm content with my life, I have, like, how can I be sad with all of this? like marvel going on around me we don't think about it we just kind of always we don't even stop to think about those things we just yeah we take we everything for granted those. pretty much yeah it's yeah exactly we take things for granted and it's crazy because even if you look at the statistics nowadays of um depression and anxiety and all of that where it's like um it's like they as uh, quality of life increases so those problems increase as well it's so crazy to think that it's that it's problems that are all in our minds and that someone that could be in literally the the shittiest position we can think of could find that happiness and not deal with these problems as much as a lot of teenagers are dealing nowadays when they in in theory they would have no problems they're like yo you have food all the time you have water you have shelter you have uh, maybe like friends and everything why are you so where did this come from and so it's not to lose myself too much it's crazy to to know that someone in that position could be happy because then it kind of gives you permission to be happy at all times not maybe not happy but yeah. know that that is enough that it's I, I think it's even higher than happiness it's it's like stillness it's knowing it is good enough it, it's enough that's kind of the thing it's not only enough but it's i don't need anything else it's kind of like the a more funny thing it's like i wish for things to be exactly as they are and yeah, with these examples, that's the examples that really make you think because for me at least, like whenever I'm, this was especially happened after reading Man's Search for Meaning, you know, every time I felt bad, I was kind of like, yeah, but I'm, I didn't go to like, one <laughs> yeah. of the most horrible things that ever happened. In yeah, I was history, not in a concentration you know? camp. And yeah, that, that and that's like, it may sound ridiculous and I'm not saying you don't have permission to feel bad, but it's like reframe things. Like, do you really, are you really in such a like, a deep, uh, such a troublesome situation that you can't enjoy life. What what are our issues like? Most people's issues are like, you don't have the girlfriend you want, you don't get the grades you have, you don't have your dream job. And I'm not saying those things aren't impactful. They are, but like put it into context. You know, you're alive. You don't fear for your life, and you can eat and live comfortably. You know, make space in your life to be grateful for that. Because if you don't, you know, it's just like it's ridiculous. You know. Imagine if Anne Frank was looking at you right now and you're feeling sad in the middle of your bed, sitting comfortably in one of the big, one in yeah. the best time to be alive in, in and because human the thing, history. The you know? thing is, I don't Reframe think it's your, even... Your, your... Because like Anne, Anne Frank was sad plenty of times, but it's like knowing that it is okay to be sad. And it's like when you're sad, it's not thinking like, fuck, when does this, is this over? It's like, it is enough. It's okay to be like this. I don't need to be... F- to be joyful yeah it is okay it's and that's the whole thing is mm-hmm. because a lot of problems i think mark manson talks a lot about this which is a lot of problems comes from just a reaction to the problem itself it's like oh my god i shouldn't be feeling sad right now why am i like this boom you created another problem instead of if you just accept it like i'm sad it's okay it, it's not even thinking like yeah. oh it will pass no it, it is okay just being like this it's okay i'll just experience it mm-hmm. then it changes things yeah, so that's like for, in my opinion that's the first step yeah into really changing those things and of course i could not let this slip without referencing the book radical acceptance that's why i learned kind of that that concept of being okay with your emotions and that's that feels like very lame especially to most men listening to this podcast let's be honest you're young you're like us and sometimes i even i feel that even after knowing the the benefits of that so don't be ashamed just feel stuff you know don't be ashamed to be sad don't be angry for being angry uh, you know those are yeah. all part of your life accepted and Absolutely. that's the only way you can really change it long term you know but moving on to the next chapter which is accept a higher power and <clears throat> i gotta be honest in this podcast in this uh, chapter it's one of the most oh, yeah, same. difficult for me to to understand you know because accepting a higher power for me has always been this kind of uh, growing up i always had this kind of aversion to to religion and in our country like christian uh, christianity is what the, the predominant 
religion. And I've always had this kind of thing that I don't want to be religious because I, I think I always valued logic a lot. And so for me, logically, it's like, yeah, but there's no evidence that God exists. So therefore, living my life as a religious person would make no sense. And that's always been my kind of base thoughts behind it. But the more I think yeah. about it, you know, I wish I could have this this spiritual thing behind me, you know. I wish I could believe in a higher power and because it's it makes things in some sense it makes things much much easier to 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 it makes it, it makes it much easier to live in certain aspects. But it's not also not something that you can just say I now believe in God, you know. Yeah. There's I don't know I Actually, don't even know what the, I what think the we steps talked, are. I don't know if we talked just in person or in the other podcast about power. this, but but I was I was also like, yeah, because it's 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 a great belief to have that maybe not that God is the greatest or whatever, but that at least there's something greater than you. And um, you know, I was think I didn't make too much of a case of that because I was in the same position, which is I know it's good, but I can just force myself to believe in a higher thing. But like recently, I've been um, curiously enough reading a lot about AI and how the future of humanity could be. And for me, that kind of put it in perspective because as as humans, if like um, the theory behind it and or the expectations is if AI keeps developing like it is at the current rate, around 2050, you would have um, something created by humans that's going to reach higher levels, levels of intelligence than we could ever have. It's going to be like the same going from a monkey to a human, that big of a difference. And then even much more, like levels you can't even imagine. And when I think about that, it's like, that's entirely possible and will probably happen. And it's, and then for me, that kind of makes me believe in a higher thing. It's hard to explain because it's a belief, but it's, it's like, oh, whoa, we can create that higher thing, even if there's not one already. So, mm-hmm. Isaac Asimov, the last yeah, question. Yeah, it's like the book uh, by. Yeah. Uh, yeah, by Isaac Asimov. The last question is, it's exactly. Yeah. The- like yeah if you haven't read the book go read the <laughs> yeah. short story yeah spoiler alert it's a great book so i really recommend you, you read it first before getting this huge spoiler but yeah basically in in the end of the book we kind of it we come to the conclusion that we created god and all of the like kind of yeah we created god and and that's kind of that you know when when you know you can create those types of like those artificial intelligence kind of beings it just becomes so I mean, for me, it's ridiculous to think of. I mean, I mean, it's not ridiculous because. I mean, I just, I, just, I just always come back to the to the feeling that there's no fundament behind it. You know, that it's kind of random for you to believe in a in a higher power. I know it's not random. But I think it's kind of it's, yeah. it's human nature. You know, we need to believe in something, and we always believe in something, consciously or unconsciously. You need to believe in something to to go through life. But I just feel it's something I I can't make myself do. You know come to this like uh acceptance of of the universe being like the the higher power of god uh allah whatever religion i know and you know i just i feel yeah. kind of this repulsion to it and i maybe it's like kind of a, a growing thing you know i need i need to do some growing to do and maybe some like deep-rooted issues because uh, yeah honestly all of the successful pe- pe- people i see you know they all have this in common i think they all all almost all of them accept this higher power and they live they live with this yeah with this yeah. belief that there's something bigger than them that they're doing and I, I think it's good because also it takes a lot out of it it takes the focus out of yourself you know you're much less selfish when you believe that there's this higher power guiding your decisions because it it always makes you present that you don't really you're not the focus of your life you know other things are the focus of your life and making the world a better place is really the focus and so yeah, it's a values it's a value va- values i don't know uh, i forgot the word but what do you mean it's kind of it's a it's an yeah. important belief you know it's no but for sure it is uh, it i is, really not, can't say it right now but i would it's, say it's, i would arguably say it's the most important belief if you yeah. it's because like even if you don't believe in god you always believe in something and it's kind of for me kind of number one if you don't know understanding what it is what that belief is and then you know and then it's just i think like it's with time as well you know like you because you can't force it you just have to wait for a moment of those it's like you know it's 
it's just that I, I can't speak too much on it because yeah, I'm, even... I'm. It's like I also struggle with it, and I have I have no um, acceptable solution or answer to it. So you know. Yeah, I think it's the same thing for me. But even Brian in, in the chapter, he treats this one differently. You know, he ends the chapter with, "Perhaps you're not ready to do that to let anything into your heart. That's okay. That's okay. There's no rush. There's no rush." Just know that this step is open to you. It's waiting and it will help restore you to sanity when you're ready. I think even he knows that it's not something as simple as the other steps, you know. You, yeah. you can't force yourself to accept an higher being. You know? It just needs to come. I think also it needs to come from one of those like very dark times in your life. I yeah, feel. or or not you're, because, you're like, you know. There's no options. It's, I feel like it's, yeah, it's kind of yeah, like I don't that. Know. Because. I'll leave that up yeah, to, to I the I think that's, that's the best option. Yeah. You have no idea. So next chapter, interrelationships. And in this chapter, let me just... Yeah, he talks about Johnny Cash. And he he talks about like the him being being always alone on the road. Because he was a very... Obviously, Johnny Cash was a, a singer, very huge songwriter, performer. And he had to, to go on the road constantly. Always on, always on tour. Always traveling. And he, he, he tells the story of him one time being alone in one of these houses while he was traveling. And he just had this, uh, this dream or this nightmare that he, for, that he forgot something. And he just woke up yelling the name of his, of his, of his daughter, Roseanne. And he, that's where I, he tells it in this, in this story. He stopped and he realized that a house without a family is not a house, you know. And I think we all kind of sometimes forget that really our lives are built and have value in big, in a big portion because of the, the people around us, you know, our family, our loved ones. And we, it's very easy to take that for granted. And only when we're maybe away from them is it, at least talking from personal experience. You know, when I traveled, that's where I missed yeah. most my family, my, my loved ones, because, and it's, it's kind of an ingrained state of being, you know, as humans, we always have this thing. When we have something available to us regularly, we don't, we we t we tend to not yeah, be we as take grateful for, for it. You know? It's because it's always there, and when you're away from it, that that's when you realize that how important the presence of these people are in your lives. And so I think this chapter is mainly about, you know, uh, make sure you you give the appropriate like um, time for those people. You know, the appropriate responsibility that that they. In, in, in due proportion to what they, the impact they have in your life, you know. If they're the most important people in your life, show them some respect, show them some love. Tell them that they're, they're important to you, you know. Make that effort, even though you, maybe it's hard for you to, to express those feelings, you know. It's something that I think you'll always regret doing in the end. Like when your parents die, when your grandmother, your grandfather dies, your brothers. Like you'll always forget it if you yeah. did not and express Because if you also think about it, all the things that we do and like when you talk like be good it's only important because there's other people around if you're alone none of that matters kind of thing because you can even do yeah. how can you be good if there's nothing to be good towards too all those concepts don't even exist mm -hmm. so and for me that's where the importance of all of this comes that all this self-improvement and all of well that's it pretty much all of this that we do to improve ourselves as always the fundamental that we're going to be better for other people First, for more, you get, first and foremost, you're going to be good to yourself. But what that's going to allow you to is to be good for more people. And that's it. So without them, there's no possibility of showing or even existing that good. So you know, it's kind of just keeping that in mind. Yeah, yeah we as humans, we are yeah, like we are social animals. You know, we without each other, it's like yeah, there's no yeah. point. There's to not life. life you know, argue. you need like, you need always, people to make yeah, people. There's like if you imagine you're the only imagine you're the only person left on earth. You know. Like, try to really place yourself in that scenario. Like, there's yep. nothing to do, you know? There's, yeah, there's literally nothing that you want to do. That You'll eventually die because you just felt so lonely, yep. you know? Yep. I bet you get this depression and just die. That's how important Absolutely. it is, you know? So keep that in mind. Going to the next chapter, it's, it's, so it's called Conquer Your Anger. And in this chapter, he gives the example of Michael Jordan, which is, I, I had no idea this happened if you're like, Probably for American, he voted this because it's such an important personality there in basketball. But like he, he gave basically this huge speech, and in this uh, when he was being inducted into the Hall of Fame, I believe. And basically, this speech 
was like him an half hour of him like responding and listing every slight uh, that they ever received in his career every time someone didn't believe in him brought him down you know so even like really ridiculous small stuff you know he, he kept this all inside them and this is like the perfect example of of a, a successful individual by society standards that was not successful interiorly you know because he He was arguably the best basketball player of all time, or at least in the top three. I have no idea about basketball. But, you know, he still was not satisfied. He lived with this constant anger inside of himself, and it all came out in this big speech. You know, and that's, can you just imagine what it is to go through all of your life with this anger always inside of you? Even after you being the best in the planet, you know, you still feel this. You can even imagine how much, how much more frustrated you must have felt after he achieved anything, everything he, he thought he needed to achieve and still felt this anger. And it's like all we've been talking about. If you don't care about the, the road to get there, when you get there eventually, that, th that will cost you dearly because that's, where, that's when you, you're going to look back and think, oh, maybe this, this wasn't all worth it, you know? Maybe, maybe because I only thought about the the end result. I ended yeah, up not enjoying the entirety of it. I life. also had no idea about this Michael Jordan kind of breakdown kind of thing. But it's 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 sad kind of thing because you on the court you look at all he achieved and like the greatest basketball player of all time, arguably. The sh even the Air Jordans are after Michael Jordan, it's such a big brand and everything, and he's he had so much resentment inside of him that he had to express it all. <laughs> kind of to a, a very awkward point for everyone that was listening to and it's just to yeah I, I feel like all the pretty much the the second part sums up is how to be good how to kind of deal with your own self in the long term and how to be you know how to accept yourself and what you do in this world it's because if you don't you're just gonna well this is gonna it, it will have to come out in some sort of way for Tiger Woods it was cheating on his wife doing all this crazy stuff Michael Jordan was this and probably other erratic behavior he had for Kennedy was the cheating there's always gonna it's always gonna come out so you can either deal with it or you can let the world deal with it for you which is not the best option all right moving on to the I believe this is the last one for today and it's called all is one and this one was like a I think this all one is also similar to the believing in the higher uh, power Which is like, and he gives in, in this this chapter, he gives the story of an astronaut, and that he went up to the, went up to to space, and he like he, he tells the story of him in that moment, like 239,000 miles up in space, looking out at or like tiny blue planets from from that perspective, he just felt this amazing conscience coming coming over him, which is like, you instantly he instantly felt connected to every single person and living being on that small planet he just he, he tells that he, he felt like slapping all the politicians and saying like this is what here stop being corrupt this is what you're working for you know this yeah. this is important and i feel this is really lax and it's like in in people you know getting this this sentiment of of unitedness you know of being in, in it together as, as human beings you know we all live in the same planet We may think it's like something giant, but like you said, if you look at it from space, it's it's a tiny little dot, you know, it doesn't really matter that that much. And the fact that we have all these arguments and small little squabbles over this really inconsequential in, in shit, you know, it just makes it ridiculous once you really think about it, you know. We are all, we all fundamentally want the same thing. We all want goodness and we all search for it, you know, one way or another. We may, some may, may be more mistaken than others, but... I think fundamentally we all search for it and that's something we can always have in common with other people, you know. And that's kind of like can sound like woo-woo, you know, being all one, everyone is one with the conscience and whatever, but there's real value to it, you know. There's real value to empathy and, and to taking the focus out of yourself. And he even gives it in, in this, I believe it is in this chapter, but he gives the example of him like staring into the moon and realizing that this moon is the same moon that his parents looked at when they were feeling like doubt, anxiety and troubles yeah. that his kids are going to look at that millions of people, billions of people look at every night. And, and like, we all have this, at least this, this in common, you know, we have all, lots of things in common, but this is a, this is something good to practice because you can always see the moon when it, when it's night, you know, and it's, 
at least it was so impactful for me because it's something I never really think about, you know? It's something that I, even when people yeah. th- th- talk about it, I'm kind of like, yeah, whatever. Don't. That's kind of bullshit. <laughs> but it's not, you know? It's, yeah. it's important because you need to... And I think it's important for the same reason that believing in a higher power is important, you know? It takes the focus out of yourself and it places it on other people, on, on the planet around you. Yeah, for sure. I feel like as human beings... We have so much more that can bring us together, but a lot of times we just focus on the things that the things that pull us apart. I feel like it's just making more of a conscious effort to focus on the things that bring us together. For how cheesy that may sound, and you know, each one will have an opinion on this, but the truth is, is that we are much more similar than we are far apart. That's it. Especially yeah. when, like, that perspective, when you look at the Earth from up there, it's like, yeah, it's you get that sense of unity because you see the thing as a whole and it's just like it's perspective and we we don't get enough of it mm-hmm. and even you see nowadays with politics there's so much divisiveness and people get so upset at each other it's if we just realize that everyone just wants and does the best they can with what they have yeah. to be much easier to just come to understanding mm-hmm. pretty much yeah. well, empathy. so that's that's it N- next on the next podcast, we'll be talking about the body segment of this book. Personally, it was my favorite. I'm, I'm kind of biased towards it, being the yeah. kind of like exercise guy and whatever. But yeah, it was. I mean, I just I'm always amazed by how 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 this podcast flow because he just wrote the book in a way that makes it really easy to go from one chapter. Yeah, for to sure. Another. Sometimes I even feel like I'm going to the next one without even knowing that I'm going yeah. to it. That's how good. Yeah, it is. exactly. So thanks, Ryan, for everything. Good job, Ryan. Um, Want to come on the podcast? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. No, but it's a really good book, and I, I hope you guys are enjoying it. So, yeah, next week we're just going to go for the final chapter. So you'll have your completion there. Um, otherwise, I think we can finish like this. Yes. So this was the Searching for Meaning podcast, episode number 49, if I'm not mistaken. And we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. <laughs>